Good morning. Whether you're joining us over the live stream or here in person, welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. You may notice that we have shepherds and cows and wise men and various critters among us this morning. That is because it is our annual intergenerational Christmas pageant today. So welcome to that. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, truth, meaning, and beauty. I especially want to welcome our visitors this morning. We're so glad you're here. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. And it's in that tradition that I invite you to greet the holy among us this morning by turning to those around you if you're here with us in person or in the comments if you're with us online. Please join me in saying the words to light the chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. So, last week, we lit the first three Advent candles. Does anybody remember that? Do you remember what they were for? Hope, love, and joy. Yes, joy. So, this morning, we're going to light... Well, let's see. If last week was the third, what would this week be? The fourth. Okay, this morning we're going to light the fourth candle, and we're going to light it for peace. In these days of war, in these days of division, what greater prayer in our hearts can we have than for peace? And in the Christmas story, the angels came down and said, peace on earth, goodwill to all. So as I light the fourth candle for peace, I invite you to consider ways that you find peace in your heart, in your life, and in the world, and consider how those ways of peace could be expanded and enlarged to encompass the whole world. Today's call to worship is entitled Winter Solstice. It was written by the Reverend Dr. Rebecca Parker who is a Unitarian Universalist theologian. Perhaps for a moment, the typewriters will stop clicking. The wheels stop rolling. The computers desist from computing. And a hush will fall over the city. For an instant, in the stillness, the chiming of the celestial spheres will be heard as earth hangs poised in the crystalline darkness and then gracefully tilts. Let there be a season when holiness is heard and the splendor of living is revealed. Stunned to stillness by beauty, we remember who we are and why we are here. There are inexplicable mysteries. We are not alone. In the universe, there moves a wild one whose gestures alter Earth's access toward love. In the immense darkness, everything spins with joy. 
The cosmos enfolds us. We are caught in a web of stars, cradled in a swaying embrace, rocked by the holy night, babes of the universe. Let this be the time we wake to life, like spring wakes in the moment of winter solstice. This congregation has a mission. It's our common purpose. It guides all of our decision-makings. It informs our programs and our ministries. We wrote it together, we put it on our wall, and we say it together every Sunday so that we might more readily carry it in our hearts throughout the week. Let's do so now. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Well, it is time for our no-rehearsal Christmas pageant, an annual tradition, yes, here at First UU. The season of winter solstice has been celebrated in one form or another for thousands of years. A hundred different cultures have told stories about how the birth of their gods took place at this time of year. In the northern hemisphere, we tell stories about how light, hope, and life are returning to the world. Darkness is good for rest and for root growth. It's hard to see where you're going, though, and what's coming at you when you're in the dark, so humans also like to celebrate light. Today, we will present the Christian faith story, as Christianity is one of the sources of our UU faith. It is the story of a special baby, a child of God, as all babies are, a child called Jesus, who became one of humanity's great teachers. Today, this story is wrapped not only in swaddling clothes, but also in wonderful carols, which also contain some earth-based solstice elements. Christmas story. It happened a very long time ago in a land far, far away. A couple named Joseph and Mary had to make a journey to the city of Bethlehem because there was a new law that said everyone had to return to the city of their birth in order to pay their taxes. Joseph was, Joseph was worried about Mary taking this trip. She was going to have a baby very soon. But Mary wanted to be with her husband for the birth of their child. It was a very long trip to Bethlehem. Three full days of walking. Mary was so glad that she could see the rooftops of Bethlehem in the distance. <laughs> Joseph, she said, let's stay at the very first inn we come to. I think our baby is almost ready to be born. But when they got to Bethlehem, they found the town was a little crowded with people. But they stopped at the first inn they came to, and they knocked on the door. <laughs> but the innkeeper told them, I'm sorry, there's no room here. 
So Mary and Joseph continue to walk about. And then they see another inn. And they... They... And that innkeeper said, I'm sorry, we're full. Try some places over there in that other streets. It's way bigger. So Joseph and Mary walked some more and tried another place and another place and another place. And everything was the same. Sorry, there's no room for you here. Finally, it was almost night and they saw a house on the edge of town with a light in the window. Joseph knocked on the door and told the innkeeper, Please help us. We need a place for the night. My wife is going to have a baby very soon, and I just don't think she can travel any farther. And the innkeeper said, There's no room for you in the inn, but don't worry. We'll find a same, a, a, some place for you. The innkeeper showed Mary and Joseph to a quiet little barn where the animals were. It was clean and warm, and it smelled like sweet hay. <laughs> and on that very night... In that barn in Bethlehem, their little baby was born. They named the baby Jesus. Mary and Joseph wrapped them in the soft swaddling cloth and made a little bed for them in the hay. That night, like every night, there were shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem watching the flocks and sheep. And a strange song came from nowhere. And everyone, all at once, it was angels and they were glorious. It's time for some angels to fly all over the sanctuary. Okay, angels, listen up. This is what you're going to say. Oh, what a beautiful baby.
the angels had gone away, the shepherds remembered what they had said, that a wonderful baby had been born and that they could find her by following the brightest star in the sky. So the shepherds all said to each other, let's go look for that baby. They had no trouble finding the stable because of the bright star. And sure enough, there inside were Mary and Joseph watching over their little baby Jesus. And the shepherds saw, yay, the star. And the shepherds saw that Jesus was just stunning. So let's all say together very quietly, very, very quietly. Oh, what a beautiful baby. Oh, what a beautiful baby. Then the shepherds went away and told everyone what they had seen. On this same night, three wise ones saw the bright star and said to each other, Look at the amazing star. It must be shining for something very special. The wise ones loaded up their camels with treasures and traveling supplies and followed the star all the way to Bethlehem. Jesus was very young when the wise ones found him, but they knew he was special. What a wonderful child. This child will be our teacher. And they gave their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. (laughs) And now we're going to sing We Three Kings.
So the wise ones have returned to their kingdoms and queendoms. And Mary and Joseph wondered for a long time about all of these things that happened when their child was born. It's astonishing that all these people would come to see our baby and give us presents for him. They don't even know him. When Jesus grew up, he was a courageous teacher, just like the wise one said. And one of the most important things that he or she tried to teach people was to love each other and to treat all people, even strangers, with kindness and care. And people who have tried to follow those best teachings have become better people and have spread light through their world, which is what we are all here to do. So today we've shared the Christmas story about one special baby, But this baby isn't the only special one. Every child is a treasure, a wonder, and a miracle. And as they grow up, they are always and forever a treasure, a wonder, and a miracle. So I invite you to say these words with me. I'm hoping there are words. Ah, yes. These come from the um, Unitarian religious educator, Sophia Foz. They're adapted. For so the children come, and so they have been coming. Always in the same way they come, born of the seed of life. Each night a child is born is a holy night. Parents sitting beside their children's cribs Feel the glory in the sight of a new life beginning. A night a child is born is a holy night, a time for singing, a time for wondering, a time for worshiping. Now is the time in our service where we center ourselves together. We breathe together. And breathing together, we feel one another's loving presence, even through cyberspace. Breathing in, breathing out, we follow our breath to a deeper place inside. A place where we know comfort. That place where a spark of the divine resides within each of us. And breathing together, we enter into a time of sacred silence together. Remembering that the sounds of small children and other human sounds are a part of that silence in this congregation. Breathing in, breathing out, let us enter into that sacred silence together.
Now invite you to light candles, candles of joy, sorrow, remembrance, hope. You may use either of the candle windows here in the sanctuary.
Today's reading comes from Howard Thurman's book, Inward Journey. There must be always remaining in every person's life some place for the singing of angels, some place for that which in itself is breathlessly beautiful and by an inherent prerogative throwing all the rest of life into a new and creative relatedness, something that gathers up in itself all the freshets of experience from drab and commonplace areas of living and glows in one bright light of penetrating beauty and meaning, then passes. The commonplace is shot through with new glory. Old burdens become lighter. Deep and ancient wounds lose much of their old, old hurting. A crown is placed over our heads that for the rest of our lives we are trying to grow tall enough to wear. Despite all the crassness of life, Despite all the hardness of life, despite all of the harsh discords of life, life is saved by the singing of angels. The aspect of spirituality we're exploring this month is wonder. And doesn't our annual Christmas pageant just fill us with wonder and awe? Seeing the children, people of all ages, dressed in costumes and reenacting this story, this annual ritual handed down through the ages is just wonderful and awesome. I think sometimes, though, because we can't believe stories like this are literally true, we run the danger of also not understanding, not accepting They're metaphorical truths. So, for instance, even if we know that what we call inns in the story as we just told it were more likely the home of relatives where Mary and Joseph were seeking refuge rather than something like a modern-day hotel, an important value about offering hospitality, even when it may not be easy, is still there in the story. And we don't have to literally believe that three wise people were led by a star to a newly born God to know the value of following our own stars. And as Reverend John Alou pointed out last week, it sure seems like there were a lot of virgin births going on back then. (laughs) But we don't have to buy this myth to embrace the wonder of new life. And we certainly don't have to accept the theology that too often follows this story. That God sent this beautiful child only for him to be killed later in life so that our sins might be washed away by his blood. That is just icky. That's the official academic term they taught us in seminary. And likewise, we don't have to accept the secular myth of capitalism glorified, the church of consumerism that can turn gift-giving into a migraine-inducing chore. We are gifts to one another. We can make giving to others a spiritual practice we carry out in simpler ways without the radical consumerism. 
And sometimes, sometimes it can feel like the holidays require a kind of enforced cheer. Like we have to express the joy of the season even if what we're actually feeling is downhearted. After my parents divorced, my father remarried and then eventually disappeared from our lives. He replaced us with his new family, and that hurt. For many years when I was growing up, I would feel the sting of his absence most during the holidays. On the other hand, my maternal grandparents helped raise me, and they were a major source of how I knew that I was loved when I was growing up. For years, they would hold these huge family Christmas gatherings. My immediate family would be there along with uncles, aunts, cousins, and people who I didn't even know how I was related to them. There were usually a few folks with whom I disagreed on pretty much everything, especially politics. It's funny how you can love someone who you don't actually like very much. (laughs) Still, my spouse Wayne and I would go nonetheless, even though those big family gatherings could be kind of a pain. We went anyway because my grandparents infused them with so much love. After my grandparents died, though, my family stopped having those big events. It just wasn't the same without them. And for many years after that, I'd find myself feeling a little down around Christmas. The holiday lights seemed a little less vibrant. Even today, I can still get a feeling of sadness when I remember how my grandparents could bring us all together through that immense love. Now, though, I also re-experience the joy embedded within those same stories. But I've had over 20 years to get to that point. So the thing is, if during the holidays we're feeling heavy-hearted because of life circumstances we haven't had time yet to process, it is okay to wish to skate away on a river like in our song earlier, to be where we need to be. We don't owe the world pretend joy. We can know the spirit, the values of the holidays while not being bound by such artificial requirements and literal interpretations of the holiday stories. The metaphorical messages are more than enough. Joy to the world, goodwill toward all, love forever, ceasing never. These are the values that can make our holidays truly holy days again. Please join me in saying the words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. For our benediction, I leave you with words from Albert Einstein, who was kind of a smart guy. 
There are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. This holiday season, let's live as though everything is a miracle. May the congregation say amen Amen. and blessed be. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.